Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask your fathers, and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you, things that we've heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord, and his mights and his wonders that he has done. And that is Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7, and Psalms chapter 78, verse 3 and 4. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio, and we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and in front of me, like always, the president, Steve Ben Hartog. What's up, everybody? Thanks for being with us. Uh, yeah. Wow. Hey, guys. Well, uh, it is a 4th of July weekend. One of my favorite weekends out of the summer. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, I, Last year, I was in Florida on a lake w- waiting for fireworks uh, around this time. Uh I'm sure this uh, 4th of July is going to be one for the record books because a lot of people are just not on vacation and doing their normal activities just because of everything just going on with this uh, COVID and and amongst other things. Yeah, yeah. well, it gives us an opportunity to bond with family again, I guess, right? (laughs) I think everybody's already (laughs) a little sick of maybe probably staying home, but I don't know. I'm I'm just, but, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, This week, we have historian Tim Barton, son of David Barton, author of the American Heritage series. And we're going to be talking about American heritage in a very biblical uh, perspective. uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really good. I'm glad this worked out for him to be on. Yeah, no, super excited. Uh, uh, Tim is part of the Wall Builders uh, uh, website, and what they do there is amazing. You guys got to go check out the website, wallbuilders.com. Um, his dad is David Barton, right? Yeah, his, his dad is David Barton. And yeah, they just do a lot of just uh, education on American history. Yeah. Uh, and especially in this time where uh, we're seeing history trying to be either erased or rewritten. Yes. Uh, it just was, yeah, so. It's important for us to know where we came from, how God has had his hand in this nation and its founding. And, yeah. And, uh, to just give thanks for that. The the greatest nation that has lived ever, mm. as far as just wealth, opportunity. Uh, yeah, I mean, just the think principles about that we were founded the, on. The f- principles that we were founded on, that no other uh, empire or any other uh, yeah. society in, in time. I mean, and, and there there was a lot of great ones, but yeah. So, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, and Stitcher Radio, and please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org. And just want to say thank you for everybody. Thank you, everybody who has contribute, contributed uh, with our funding to the building. Um, uh, again, we're looking to move to a bigger loca- locations, and we are uh, are very appreciative of all the donations that you have given Bridge uh, as we move forward here in, in the future. You bet. All right, Steve. So you ready to get this podcast Let's started? It. Let's do it. Timothy Barton is president of Wall Builders, a national pro-family organization that presents America's forgotten history and heroes with an emphasis on our religious, moral, and constitutional heritage. Wall Builder has been recognized from coast to coast for its work in education, history, law, and public policy, integrating elements of biblical faith, morality throughout all aspects of American life and culture. 
Tim lives in Weatherford, Texas with his wife, Gabby, and daughter, Finley. Welcome to Bridge Radio for the first time, Tim Barton. Well, thanks for having me on. It's great to be with you. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on our podcast today, Tim. Um, you know, we we here at Bridge Ministries, we have uh, the American Heritage uh, Series uh, that your dad, uh, David, uh, um, did back in 2007, I believe. And I know that you guys have a lot of just stuff out there. Um, and, you know, here as a bookstore, we, uh, during uh, different times of the year when we have, you know, 4th of July, Memorial Day, we like to put out uh, content out there with just books and DVDs of just uh, things that are, are, are going on that are related to those different events throughout uh, the, the year. Uh, and, and this year we have out the American Heritage Series uh, out in the front there so that people may want to purchase. Um, and, and I... And 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 I, and I was just like, man, I wonder if we can get somebody on for wall builders, and 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 you guys responded, and I'm so grateful that you guys are just, that you came on because I feel really blessed. Well, good, and, and yep, I'm I'm glad you guys have found some of of the content. Um, we've been able to do a whole bunch of TV shows over the years, mm-hmm. um, and 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 share so much of of this really forgotten history and so many of the forgotten heroes. Yeah. Um, you know, when we look at America today and, and especially we see the chaos and we see the craziness and we see the frustration and the hurts and pains of people in the midst of it all. One of the things that we're seeing more and more is people are under the, the impression that America was established by really bad people who did really bad things and there's nothing to be celebrated. And that's only because we don't actually know the true history. We don't actually know the real people and the stories of the people. Mm. Uh, and, and so that's a lot of the reason we exist um, is, is showing, I mean, we, we would even argue, right? It's kind of a message of the gospel that God uses imperfect people and does great things through them. And, and so the celebration of history, even American history, is not the celebration of imperfect people, rather it's a celebration of how a perfect God used an imperfect person and did something great through them. And today people just, they, they don't recognize how special America is. Yeah. Um, you know, most Americans have never gone on a mission trip to another nation to even have a comparison. Um, I was on staff at a church for many, many years and, and I would lead mission trips and I would tell people, I worked with high school students and college kids a lot. I would tell people all the time, if, if you want to understand how special it is to be an American, you need to go serve for a month in one of these third world nations where people don't have freedom, where, where they don't have food, they don't have clean drinking water, they don't have things that are just standard for us in America. And then you recognize, you know, even with all of our problems in America, we still have a really blessed life. We have more freedom, more stability, more prosperity than any other nation in the world. Yeah. It's just today we don't recognize how blessed we are or mm. how much God has blessed America over the generations. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we... Our ministry is in a border town here in Laredo, Texas. So um, I we have a lot of missionaries that come over to the ministry and pick up a lot of Bibles and resources to take back to Mexico's in the mountains and, and just right across the border. And it's amazing to just hear uh, their stories of of how uh, uh, pe- people living in, in just really— uh, other countries, one being Mexico and other countries where it's just really hard and, and, and we we forget how privileged we are. Um, 
Tim, yeah. Tim, just before we get started here, um, can you just share a little bit about yourself uh, so that uh, our audience just gets a little bit background before mm -hmm. we start getting into a little bit more of just uh, American history here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, uh, I am now the president of Wall Builders, which was an organization my dad started back in the 80s. And the, the idea was um, really an inspiration he got from the Bible book of Nehemiah. Uh, if, if you remember, Nehemiah was the guy who was part of the Babylonian captivity. He was an, uh, an Israelite. He was a Jew. And he looked back at Jerusalem, which had been conquered. It had been destroyed. And his heart was so grieved that, that his home had been destroyed. And, and his really calling in his life was, I want to go rebuild my home, rebuild this, this nation, rebuild the city. And that's what Nehemiah does in the book of Nehemiah. He goes back, and, and by the, the blessing of the king, right, the king even helps him and funds him. And this is a secular king, but he liked Nehemiah so much. He wanted to help him. Nehemiah goes, and he rebuilds the walls of his, his nation, um, rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. And, and my dad, back in the 80s, was looking at America going, man, America is becoming increasingly secular. We're rejecting God. We're, we're not really upholding biblical values, or we're not following the Constitution. And he recognized that America was just was going a, a, a very poor direction that historically nations that go that direction, it doesn't end well for them. And he kind of felt like the call of Nehemiah. I want to I want to re help rebuild the walls, which is what Nehemiah says right in the book of Nehemiah. It's I think Nehemiah 217. Mm -hmm. He says, come, let us rebuild the walls that we may no longer be a reproach to the people. And my dad felt that calling that he wanted to help rebuild that our nation, the walls of America, so to speak. And, and, and this was way before there was a president Trump and right. That the, the notion of building a wall, like that's not at all who we are. That's not what we do. Ours is much more of a spiritual thought, a constitutional yeah. thought of, of kind of rebuilding that structure. But that's what our organization started off. Um, really helping promote a lot of the religious, moral and constitutional heritage of the nation. We have the largest collection of original documents from the founding era. We have, have more than 100,000 documents and artifacts and proclamations, all kinds of really cool things, writings, letters, journals from the founding fathers. And so we actually have letters from George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and John Adams and, and John Hancock and Sam Adams and right, the vast majority of the founding fathers. We actually own many of their writings, and what we're able to do is go back and learn a lot more of their story from their own writings from their own journals and, and learning more about the other founding fathers to help tell the story that America, although not perfect, yeah. was established to to pursue or uphold biblical values. Mm -hmm. And even though, again, imperfect people, one of the things that's unique about America is America established and tried to follow more biblical values than, than arguably any other nation in the world, especially at that time which is why they enjoyed, or we enjoyed, I guess, as Americans, we still get the kind of the outflow of that. So many of the blessings of God for so much of what they were doing, um, applying those biblical principles, which was different, again, than anywhere else in the world, what they were establishing here in America. So, so my job is I help run an organization. It's a nonprofit. We do a lot of speaking. We work in a lot of schools and churches, and we work with a lot of government leaders and officials showing them from the Founding Fathers' writings when they were presidents, when they were governors, when they were part of Congress, when they were part of the Continental Congress, back in the time of the Declaration, we can show from their writings what they were trying to accomplish, what their vision was when they wrote the First Amendment. What was it really about? Did it really mean separation of church and state? What does the freedom of speech really mean? We can go back to their writings and say, here's what they wrote. 
So here's what this means according to George Washington, right? According to James Madison, here's what this means. So we're trying to help make the connection, and, and, and this is true for Christians as well, seeing that there's a lot of, of, of Christian leaders in early America who were applying Christian values, and they were leaders of the government, leaders of their communities, of the states, and even of the nation, and just showing that connection of faith in America or in the Constitution and the original intent of the Constitution in America. So that's a lot of what I do as I travel and speak. We do a lot of writing. Um, we, we do a lot of consulting and lecturing, et cetera. So that's, a, that's a kind of a background of our ministry and then uh, what, what I do helping run the organization as well. Yeah, I think that with everything just going on in this country right now, it seems like you guys are probably going to be a lot busier than ever, um, especially that uh, everybody's <laughs> trying to rewrite or erase our history. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah. Um, so, Tim, why, I know that you just touched on it a little bit here, but why is it important to present America's forgotten history and heroes with an emphasis on moral, religious, and constitutional heritage? I, I appreciate you asking the question uh, because one of the things that we're seeing today is people are, are in, in the move to really eradicate and erase a lot of history. And, and sometimes there's good intent because – they're going, hey, this was a bad guy. We shouldn't celebrate and honor this guy with a statue, monument, memorial, whatever the case is. Yeah. Therefore, we should remove him. The problem is when when you remove your history, you no longer have it as an example to learn from. It, it's yeah. interesting that after World War II, um, places like Auschwitz, which was one of the death camps from World War II, where, uh, where part of Hitler's military, where they actually killed, they exterminated Jews – after World War II, Jews, the people who were, were targeted by Hitler, targeted by the Nazis, the people who were being killed, they actually petitioned and funded the saving of Auschwitz, mm. the place where they were being killed. And the reason was they said this needs to stand forever as a memorial for people to look at and understand the depravity of humans and what they did to make sure it never happens again. Yeah. What they said is, right, you can take something that was really bad and, and really bad people and a really great evil, and you can use that as a teaching tool. Now, the argument might be, now wait a second, there's some of these statues are not being used for a teaching tool, right? Maybe we're honoring people that are not really worthy of honor. Yeah. I understand the argument. Yeah. But to, to then start saying we want to remove people that we don't like or we disagree with, this is where you get to a really, really sketchy position. The reason it's important to remember our history, and especially when we talk about the religious, moral, constitutional heritage, the reason it's important to remember that is one of the one of the movements we are seeing today, and we're certainly seeing it a lot over the last couple of months, is there's a lot of a lot of movement towards socialism and, and really Marxism. Yeah. Um, where you, you have people who are leaders in culture right now who are proudly professing that they are Marxist and they're mm. not ashamed of that. You know, it used to be that when people knew history, they said, wait a second, Marxism from Karl Marx, that was the ideology that, that led some of the greatest dictators in, in world history. And really most of them happened right, largely in the 20th century. But it yeah. led those people to kill tens of millions of innocents, over 100 million people killed under that ideology. Because we don't know history, we are now – promoting and embracing an idea that has been one of the most destructive ideas in all of recorded human history, but people don't know that. So the reason it's important to present America's forgotten history and heroes is 
if you actually know a lot of the true history of, for example, Christopher Columbus, of a George Washington, of an Abraham Lincoln, all of whose statues are being torn down and defaced right now. When you know their stories and you judge them in the context of the time of which they lived, you recognize that even though these none of these guys were perfect, like not even close. Yeah. But when you when you judge them according to the time in which they lived, you realize, you know, even though they weren't perfect, they were pretty advanced for the time in which they lived. Which mm-hmm. just since since we're both right Christians, let me give you a, a biblical example. If you take Noah from from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. The Bible says that Noah was more righteous than all of those around him. You know what's interesting is the Bible doesn't explicitly say that Noah was totally upright and righteous. It says he was more righteous than everybody around him. Hmm. What does that mean? It means compared to the culture of which he was living, he was the most honorable person. When you measure people in the context of the time of which they lived, it makes a difference because what we do is we compare them to the standards we have today. And we say, well, compared to today, they're really bad people and therefore we shouldn't celebrate them. Well, okay. Granted, I mean, I acknowledge everybody is a sinner. My starting place thinking about people or history in general is everybody is jacked up and needs Jesus, right? (laughs) Like that's just my starting place. So, so I can acknowledge, no, these dudes weren't perfect. And of course they, they're sinners who need Jesus, yeah. just like you and I are people who need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Yes. But with that being said, the reason, again, it's important to, to know their stories and know in the context of time is you see how a perfect God who's an imperfect person and use them to be different than the culture in which they live to establish things that going forward made the world, and in our case, America, a better place. And what happens is, when people want to change America and say, you know what, let's remove capitalism, the, the, the economic system that certainly is not perfect, but the economic system that's brought more people out of poverty than any other system in the history of the world, let's replace that with socialism, which has caused more poverty than any other system of the world. Well, you you can't do that if you know history. So what happens is, and by the way, you can't even do that under the Constitution necessarily. So what happens is you can't change the Constitution unless the people who gave you the Constitution are bad. So what we start with is say everybody in the past is bad. Therefore, all the government they established is bad. Therefore, we have to do something totally different and new. And so the only way you can you can fundamentally transform America is all all people in history have to be bad. And therefore, everything they did is bad. Right, because it's it's the fruit of the poisonous tree. So everything they did is bad, and that's the only way you can change the direction of America. The problem is the direction we're changing America, even though there's certainly some things that we 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 want to change. Yeah. <laughs> there's improvements that need to be made. We Absolutely. totally agree with that. Yeah, totally agree with that. But what we are saying is we should burn the whole house down because we found right some termites. We found some spiders, a cobweb up in the corner. Let's burn the house down. No, no, no. Let's fix the things that need to be fixed. But when you start looking at America in comparison to the rest of the world, when you look at freedom and opportunity and prosperity and stability, there's no nation that has the blessings that America has. But if you don't know that, if you don't understand and appreciate that, then you think we need to destroy the whole system. Because if you've lived in America for several decades, you just kind of come to assume 
that the benefits we enjoy in America are normal. And so it doesn't matter what system we have. We just enjoy these benefits, not recognizing that, right, there, there's consequences that flow from actions. There's uh, the, the principle of sowing and reaping. If you plant a certain crop, right, a seed, it's going to grow a certain crop. Well, you can't plant an apple seed and, and expect to get oranges. You're planting the wrong seeds. We have a culture that doesn't understand the things that you are planting are going to produce something. And right now we're promoting planting seeds that are really destructive when they grow the fruit that we don't recognize that, no, no, no not, not every seed is going to produce apples, right? You, you think apples are normal because we've had apples for so long, but this is the, the, the battle in America. If you say, let's change the whole system, well, understand if you change the system, then you're going to lose stability. You're going to lose prosperity. You're going to lose freedom because all of those have been an outgrowth of the system we have in place. And that, again, that doesn't mean that there's not problems. Of course, there are problems that we should fix. We want to solve it. And that's part of why God has us here so that we can, we can improve. We can make things better. God wants to use us to make a difference. But that's a different statement than saying we need to burn the whole system down and start totally over. Yeah. You know, uh, Tim, one of our uh, uh, teaching uh, partner, uh, Eduardo Mortarano, he does uh, bridge radio in Spanish. He's from Venezuela, and uh, he has come on our show, and he did a, a, a testimonial. And he was just talking about just the hardships that his family is enduring in, in a communist socialist state like Venezuela. And I'm wondering, <laughs> I always wondered, man, if you can just take a couple of these people, you know, and put them over there for a week, let's see how they let's see how they would feel um, because it's real. Yeah. It's really real uh, what a socialist and a communist state uh, does to its people and, and it's destructive yeah. and there's no food, there's no water, there's nothing, you know? No. And, and then the greedy politicians just lie themselves with, That's uh, it. you know, with, with money and steal from the people. And, and this is what's crazy, right? I mean, the Bible talks about if you have eyes to see, you should see. And, and it just seems that there's so many people who are, are willingly and, and willfully blinding themselves because you have people in America who are currently praising communist dictators around the world who are literally killing people, who are literally enslaving people. Currently today, the, the, the statistics are that there are more than 40 million people who are slaves, literal slaves right now in the world, and for example, China. China has entire groups of people that, that is literal slave labor in China. Mm. China has slaves, and there are people who are saying that China is better than America. Well, there might be some things that maybe, maybe, I mean, I'm just, right, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe mm. there's something China does better than America. But to, to presume that China as a nation is, is more honorable, treats people with more dignity, I mean, you, you have to be so willfully blinding yourself. Yeah. To praise dictators when they are communists that murder people, that enslave people, that don't give people freedom, that take away their possessions. It, it's so foolish. But we live – I mean the Bible gives some guidance on this, right? It, it says that you need to be careful mm. when you come to the place when people call good evil and evil good. Yeah. And we're seeing more and more of that now. I, again, I'm saying this from a biblical perspective as Christians. 
right? We recognize this is why we need God even more. We need God in our lives so we can walk in grace and humility and forgiveness, so we can walk in boldness and we can communicate truth. We need Jesus in our lives. And this is where, even as we look at America and, and people say, hey, we need to solve the problems of America. And so whether it's currently, I mean, it, it seems that every year or two, they're going to find the new problem of this is the big problem we have to solve. And that's fine because some of them are problems that need to be solved. Mm. But if we, for example, talk about racism and people talk about, well, racism is a problem and racism. Well, Jesus said that it's out of the heart of man that precedes evil thoughts. I would say racism is an evil thought. Yeah. I totally agree. Racism is an evil thought. But Jesus said that comes out of the heart of man. What does that mean? It means that it does not matter how many institutions you tear down or how many laws you pass. If you don't reach the heart of people, you will not end racism in the world, much less America. Because this is a problem of the heart, which is why what America, what the world needs is the gospel message because Jesus is the only one who can reach the heart. And right now, we're trying to solve problems in America without recognizing truth that the Bible teaches us that, no, the only way to solve the problem of the heart is we have to have a a new heart. We have to be born again, right? It has to be a regenerated heart from Jesus, from what God does. And this is why, again, looking at history, we can show historically that even the founding fathers— most of whom were Christians. There's a couple we can acknowledge they weren't Christians. They, maybe they questioned the divinity of Jesus, which is kind of important if you're going to be a Christian, that you need to believe in Jesus. And so not every founding father is a Christian, even though the vast majority were. But even the ones who weren't Christians said that we need the Bible in America because the Bible is the best standard of morality, and we need to encourage every American to read, study, and live according to the Bible so that America can be free because we recognize that if you give freedom to immoral people, they do immoral things. Yeah. So the only way you can really give freedom is if you have people who have a moral conscience to know, hey, you shouldn't steal, right? You, you, you shouldn't murder. You shouldn't commit adultery. I mean, some basic Bible thoughts, when, when culture embraces those as a system of morality, all of a sudden we can live free because we are self-governing our behavior, and we don't need a dictator to govern behavior. But again, this only comes from people who understand the Bible and in many cases have a salvation experience where God touches their heart and they have a new heart where old things pass away, all things become new. They're crucifying the flesh. They're walking in the spirit, which all of these are Bible verses. Yeah. Right? So the Bible talks about what we should do. We, we're just missing it in America because – we're not identifying the true problem of sin, which is the heart, and we're not identifying the true solution to sin, which is Jesus. Yeah, and 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 uh, one of the um, I don't want to get into off topic, but one of the debates just on guns um, is that remove the guns and you're not going to have all all this killings or you know problems. Uh, it was funny. Uh, I, I saw a meme not too long ago that said that. Uh, when guns are taken away, uh, knife crime goes up or something like that. Uh, and, 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 and just what you're saying that it's a heart problem. Yeah. You can take away the guns or you can take whatever, you know, it doesn't, that it becomes a heart problem. Uh, I mean, we can look at the Bible. They didn't have guns there. Mm, There was murder, (laughs) you know, like people find a way to kill somebody. That's Uh, it. and, and, and so true. Um, talking. What are some other biblical ideas or influence that birthed this nation? So just looking back, seeing the influence of the Bible in America, 
Um, you can point back to the Pilgrims as, as being one of the, the huge uh, implanters when it comes to biblical thoughts and ideas in America. Um, the Pilgrims are some of the first ones to establish a Republican form of government where the Republican idea is uh, – today a lot of people confuse Republican and democracy. They say, well, we're, we're a democracy in America, and they say that because everybody gets to vote. But we've confused it because what we vote for is who is going to represent us, and that makes us a republic because – a democracy, everybody would vote on every law, but we don't vote on every law as a people. We vote on leaders who then go represent us, and they vote on the laws. So that makes us a republic. Well, the pilgrims were living in the era of kings, and under kings, you do what the king says, and you're not voting. I mean, your vote means nothing, right? You're not voting on what you like and don't like. The king says you're doing this, and if you don't, I kill you. And so when the pilgrims come to America, they say, hey. Instead of having a king or having lords and nobles rule over us, we should choose one from among us, and, and let's elect that person and, 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 and elect other people at different levels and positions of government, and let's elect leaders so they're accountable to us, the people, and, and we're going to make sure they follow the laws of God. So they made sure that, that biblical standards were applied in every level of government, but, but the pilgrims in the era of the monarch – started electing officials, which is where it really established the Republican form of government. That They started the trend and the practice that we're going to elect our governing leaders, and they did it in the era of the monarch. The pilgrims are the very first ones um, at their time in the world who they had the very first free market trading post in America, um, which was totally independent of the king. They didn't have to pay their duties and royalties to the king, so they established the free market in America. Um, they started the very first public schools in America, and it was to make sure that their kids could read so they could read the Bible. So so, so many things that we have embraced, and, and I could go down a very long list, religious freedom they started in America, the freedom of conscience, uh, I mean, so many things that we enjoy in America. When they started those in America, those were not the norms in the world because mm. they came from a monarch who was essentially like a communist dictator, and they had to do whatever he said, and they didn't have these freedoms and these choices. But they recognized that these were things that were God-given, and they actually pointed to Bible verses as the reason for implementing these ideas. So there's, there's an awful lot of things. In fact, on our website at wallbookers.com, um, we actually detail many examples of the influence of the Bible, the influence of Christianity in America. And you don't need to take our word for it because we actually show you the original statement, the original letter, the original governing document. And in those, they actually are citing the Bible verse many times, even putting the reference directly beside the quote. So there's no confusion about this. It, it's something that's, that is very historically rich when you start looking through original documents. It's just most people today haven't spent much time studying that, so they don't recognize how much of what we do in America, even today, was started by Christians who wanted to follow biblical examples, and so they used the Bible verse to shape the world they were creating here in America. Again, much of this goes back to the pilgrims. Um, they were the first ones to start doing some of this. It became com common in much of the New England states, and then it spread throughout the rest of America. Um, and so wallbuilders.com, there's lots of resources, information you can yeah. go and you can see in their actual governing documents and their actual letters and journals why they did this, where these ideas came from in the Bible, um, but there's an awful lot of things that even today we enjoy in America because of Christian leaders applying Bible verses to what we were doing in culture. Yeah, no, I, I, 
I, I've been on your website and you guys just have amazing uh, content uh, in there and just a lot of great information. And we live in a time that uh, we never want to go to the original source. We're always getting secondhand information from somebody else. And a lot of it is inaccurate, you know, and not truthful. <laughs> so I find yeah, that when, when most of our information. When, when most of our information comes from a meme from social media, <laughs> you know there's a problem, right? That's, yeah. That's not the best place to get information. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate what the Babylon Bee does, you know, because, you know. Oh, they're it, so funny. They're so funny. I mean, I know that there's just everything. There's a lot of serious things going on, but, man, they just put a lot of just lighthearted things to truth, like common sense stuff. And, yeah, we, we, we've read some of the, the stuff in the past just because it's just too, too much to pass up um tim how did pastors shape our independence in this country so looking back historically pastors were were generally the biggest leaders in their communities mm. um at that time in early america pastors were, were generally the best educated people um at the time and oh, wow. some of it depends on on where they went to school and denominations but generally speaking um most pastors went to school longer than for example, most medical professionals, oh, wow. um, you, you had to study Greek and Hebrew and Latin, and, and they were fluent in multiple languages, and they studied the original, but they also were avid readers. Um, there were certain denominations that required pastors to read four books a week in order to, to maintain their standing as being a pastor in that denomination. So oh, wow. in early America, pa pastors were incredibly well-educated. They were very well-informed. So anytime some and, – and also the church was a very common meeting spot. Because um, at that time, you know, communities are much smaller, and and not every community had multiple churches, and and certainly before phones and social media and emails, mm -hmm. the, the way you would communicate was you go to the tavern, you go to the church. That's that's where you connect with people, and in the midst of that, since the pastor is generally the best educated person, if you had questions, the pastor is generally the guy you talk to. And so, in looking back. Leading up to the American Revolution, one of the interesting things that has been documented by multiple historians, um, going back to, for example, Alice Baldwin was a professor at Duke University um, back in, in kind of the early, mid-1900s. And she wrote a book called The New England Clergy and the American Revolution. And in that book, she documented that when you look at the Declaration of Independence, and there's 27 grievances, she says every single issue that the founding fathers included in the Declaration had been preached from the pulpit by their pastors prior to 1763, which wow. is over over 12 years before they even get together to do, even think about the declaration. Their pastors were already leading their thinking, saying, guys, here's what the Bible says about taxes. Here's what the Bible says about leadership. Here's what the Bible says about judges. Here's what the Bible says about the military. Every single grievance they had, pastors were leading the thinking. The, the shot heard around the world when when – the American Revolution arguably started. It was at Lexington Green. The shot around the world happened on April 1775. The shot around the world, there were 73 Americans up against more than 700 British soldiers. Those 73 Americans all went to the same church. It was the church of the Reverend Jonas Clark. Their military commander was an elder at Jonas Clark's church, and they went out to defend the town because the British were coming to seize all of their guns, to seize anything they thought might be military supplies or weapons. And so they were disarming the people so they could not defend themselves against the orders of the king. And they said, look, you're not taking our guns. We have rights. We have the rights of British colonists. And the king said, yeah, I'm going to evoke those rights. You don't get those rights anymore. Well, when you look at many of the early battles in the revolution, it was literally 
congregations who were going to defend their town from the British coming to steal their stuff. And this is how the revolution started. Mm. It was pastors who were leading the fight for this. It was pastors who were leading the thinking, and they were showing biblically how what the king was doing was not God's position. And then from Romans 13, the Bible talks about that government is God's representative, and they're God's representative for good. And there's some really interesting sermons where pastors talk about this, and this was how they navigated it. Because some people say, well, that's why the founding fathers were wrong, because you're not supposed to rebel against governing authority. But what their their pastors told them, so you, you could disagree with their pastors, but this is what their pastors told them, and it's a very interesting thought. They said when government ceases to be godly, they cease to represent God, because God can't do evil. So if government is doing evil, it doesn't represent God. So what they said is that when you rebel against ungodliness, you are honoring God, which is where the phrase came from, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. And there was another motto that was no king but King Jesus. Wow. So. Their idea was that we want to be godly, we want to be biblical, and it was pastors leading the thinking on all of these issues. Mm. And there's, there's been a lot of, of documentation, a lot of books that have been written about this. So this is not something that, that we are the ones making these claims. We're just repeating the claims that have been made literally for hundreds of years ever since it first happened. Historians in every single generation have explained this and documented it. So there's firsthand information or documents from all of this. It's just today people don't know how important and influential pastors were in leading the thinking of the founding fathers and of the colonists in general. And it was pastors who really led America to be free. Wow. Talk about shepherding, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, wow. I, I, Tim, I literally got goosebump as you were just telling that because I did not know that information. Wow. Um, awesome. Uh, let's shift over to uh, uh, Tim really quick of just uh, African American patriots and and, yes. and what they played in the role in American history. Uh, I know that right now there's just a lot of division uh, in this country mm-hmm. of of just uh, the sins of the past of this country of just with slavery and everything. But um, if we look at just history, how did African American patriots play a, a, a role? In this country, yeah, this this is a really important question. Uh, not not the least of the reasons why, because of of what's happening right now in culture yeah. around us. Uh, th- there's a lot of very important facets to this. So the, the, the kind of three parts I want to cover are some of who the people, uh, some of the heroes were, um, part of why we don't know them today, and then also America's role, kind of the history of slavery a little bit in America to give a little better context too. Yeah. So first of all. Um, the American Revolution, we, we do such a bad job teaching American history that most people think the American Revolution was white people fighting white people. And that's really, really, really a bad take because if you look at American history, America was, was joined by more than 20 nations um, who we, – we were largely an immigrant nations, right? So, so we were immigrants in America to, to speak, and uh, it was a forming colony. Um, forming nation. And so there were people from all over Europe, people literally from all over the world, from South America, different places that were coming to America. And so this wasn't just white people against white people. There was a lot of diversity. There were more white people than any other kind of color of skin or demographic in America. That's true. But it still was a lot of diversity. And, and a great example is if if you look at where the revolution arguably started. So we say 
kind of historically today, we say it's a shot heard around the world, Lexington Green on April 18th, 1775, or April 19th, um, kind of that time frame is, is, is where we make the claim in most history books today, except if you go to somebody about John Adams, who was a signer of the Declaration, who uh, was the guy who helped end the American Revolution, who was America's one of the top diplomats during the Revolution, who was the first vice president, the second president, he actually says the revolution really started with the Boston Massacre because that's what exasperated the Americans enough where they said, you know what, we've had it, we're done, we're not going to do this with the British anymore. The Boston Massacre is where there were some people who stood up to the British, the British were fed up, um, the British ended up firing their guns in the crowd, and, and arguably there was levels of self-defense because Americans were throwing rocks and sticks at them. Um, and so anyway, it, it, was, it was a very messy situation. The point is, one of the people believed to be the very first guy killed at the Boston Massacre, his name is Chris Pizzatics. Chris Pizzatics is a black man. He was a slave in, in one of the southern colonies in America. He escaped from slavery. He went to freedom in the north because even back then, there were more southern colonies that were pro-slavery. Northern colonies were not pro-slavery for, for many of them. He got freedom in the north. He became a sailor. Well, he was up north when the British were being oppressive, and he joined with other patriots. And they said, we're not putting up with this. Well, when, when the British fired into the crowd, he was one of five guys that died. Three of them died instantly, dropped. Two of them died a little later. He was one of the three guys who was killed on the spot, Chris Pizzatics. And the reason this matters is historically he is considered the first blood that was ever shed in the American Revolution. That's a black patriot. Mm. So the American Revolution started with the death of a black man. Go to the end of the revolution. The last major battle of the revolution is the Battle of Yorktown, where George Washington defeats Cornwallis. Cornwallis is the commander of the British forces. The reason George Washington bottled Cornwallis up at Yorktown, uh, one of Washington's generals was the French general Marquis de Lafayette. And Lafayette had been tasked with finding out where the British were going and specifically where the, the leader of the British was going to be, Cornwallis. And Lafayette says, in order to do this, I, I'm going to need some spies. And so Lafayette dispatched a group of spies to go throughout British camps to try to get intel and come back. One of the spies was a guy named James Armistead. James Armistead was a black man. He was a slave at the time. So Christmas Attucks was a free man, escaped, was free when he was killed. James Armistead... End of the revolution, he was a slave. But he signs up, and, and this was – he signed up the last year of the revolution. He uh, becomes friends with Lafayette. Lafayette is, is absolutely anti-slavery. So he and James became very good friends. James goes into the camp of Cornwallis and actually starts learning the information from Cornwallis. He is – James is assigned to be the personal assistant of Benedict Arnold along the way. And Benedict Arnold was a famous American trader yeah. who then became a British general. So James Armistead is working directly under uh, Benedict Arnold, but he gets invited to the officer's tent. He's serving the officers. So while he's serving the officers, he's pretending to be pro-British. He's really pro-America, and he's gathering all the intel from the British. He then is sneaking the information back to Lafayette. Lafayette gets to Washington. Well, in the midst of this going on, because he's getting information to Lafayette and then to Washington, Washington begins to move troops in the right positions at the right time, and they begin winning some of these battles. And it's so much so that Cornwallis goes, okay, the Americans are getting better at this war thing. We better up our game. So, so Cornwallis says, we need to find some spies that we can send to go spy in the American camp. 
and, and, and bring us back intelligence. So they start looking around their camp and they turned to James and they said, James, would you be willing to go spy in the American camp and, and feed us British the good information? <laughs> so James agrees to spy for the British. The whole time he's actually spying for the Americans. He's the first devil spy in American history. Wow. James Armistead found out that Cornwallis was going to be at Yorktown. He got the information to Lafayette. Lafayette, and, and, and these letters are still available. You can read them. They're in the writings of Lafayette, where Lafayette writes Washington. And Lafayette says, I've got this spy named James, who is my most reliable, my most trusted spy. He's just gotten me information that Cornwallis is going to be here. Washington moves his troops, bottles up Cornwallis, and defeats Cornwallis based on the information he received from James Armistead. James Armistead was praised for what the information he found out for saving countless American lives and taking months, if not years, off of the war. The reason this matters, when you tell the story even of the American Revolution, the American Revolution began with the death of a black man. And the American Revolution ended and was won largely because of the intelligence of a black man. There's no way you can tell the true story of America with it being white people fighting white people in the revolution. No, no, no. Had it not been for the, the efforts and, and the contributions of black people, of black Americans, of African Americans, America never would have become a nation. So number one, there's a lot of heroes, African American heroes, we just don't know today. So here's number two. The reason we don't know them today, largely you can point to Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson was a president uh, during World War I. He was a very, very racist guy. Before he was president, he was a professor at Princeton, or he was actually president of Princeton. Before that, he was a professor. As a professor, he wrote a, a history book for America called The History of the American People. Um, and because that was so successful, he was chosen to be the president of Princeton. He was the first president of Princeton who wasn't a pastor, which is a big deal because Princeton was always a Bible college for almost their entire existence. Yeah. Recently, they're not, but they used to be. So he becomes the president of Princeton, then he's chosen president of America. The reason it's significant is he was a very racist guy. Uh, under his administration, there was a rebirth of the KKK. Um, his administration went to KKK rallies and marched in the street with the KKK. So this Democrat president, really racist, really bad guy. As a racist guy, when he wrote the history of America, he removed every single black hero from American history. Wow. Frederick Douglass was a major player in the Civil War. He helped uh, raise the, the Massachusetts 54th, the Mass 55th. Um, his two, two of his sons, Lewis and Charles, were part of the Mass 54th. He did a lot during the Civil War. Woodrow Wilson doesn't even mention Frederick Douglass. There's no mention of great black heroes in American history, and, and you can't even tell an honest, an honest version of history removing some of the black heroes, but he was so racist he didn't want them there. In fact, in his book, he decided he wanted to show people what black people look like, and, and the picture he showed looked like – if you've ever seen you know, kind of the stages of evolution where you go from this monkey and the monkey finally turns into a man. Yeah. What he shows is a picture that is along the stage of evolution, and he shows a black man that looks like a monkey. And this is obviously one of the most racist things you could do in a history book, but, but the official academic and scientific position of that time in the world, not just America, in the world, and this was largely because of Darwin, but in the world was that black people were not as evolved as white people, and, and they couldn't be trusted. They weren't reliable, blah, 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 all these racist sentiments. 
That was what was embraced in Europe and America and, and much of the world at that time. Woodrow Wilson's textbook became the standard for all public schools. Mm. So public school history books were written based off of Woodrow Wilson's history book, and therefore they included no black heroes. And part of the problem is that we have been very dishonest in the telling of the American story and saying it was only white people. And, and one of the things that people look at, and this is kind of number three, is the history of slavery in America. People point to slavery and go, yeah, but we know America was bad because slavery. Well, there's no doubt. America had slaves, and that's a very bad thing for any nation. But here's where it becomes significant. I actually had a debate with a professor a couple of years ago, and this professor said, look, Tim, you can't say America is a good nation because America's done more bad than we've ever done good. And the the example he used as his chief example was slavery. He said, look at America. We had slaves in America. And I just I said, okay, let's, let's stop and think about this for a second. I said, in the history of the world, can you name a nation that never had slaves? And he couldn't. Yeah. I said, okay, in the history of the world, can you name a people group that was number one, never enslaved, and number two, never enslaved somebody else? And he couldn't. And I said, right, because the history of humanity is every people group at some point was enslaved and at some point enslaved somebody else. I said, now, can you name a nation where white people fought a war against other white people and at the end of the war they freed all the black people? Because we did that in America. It was called the Civil War. Yeah. And here's even where the, the whole story becomes significant. America had slaves at a time when every nation in the history of the world had slaves. England ended slavery in 1833. William Wilberforce, really great story. He's really awesome man of God and what he was trying to do. England ended slavery in 1833. America ended slavery, Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. Um, then right, you, you, 1865, the 13th Amendment, which ends slavery for all of America, not just the Southern states in rebellion. But 1865, America ends slavery. We were the fourth nation in the world to end slavery. And at that time, there were 128 nations in the world. Now, back up. We ended slavery in 1865, but in 1807, Thomas Jefferson signed a law that banned the slave trade. We actually ended the slave trade before any other nation in the world. So we were the first nation to fully end the slave trade. England actually signed the same anti-slave trade law the same year we did. Um, they started their law before we started our law, but they gave – longer for the law to be enacted. When our law started, it was January 1st, 1808, when our law was enacted, at that date, they said there can be no more slave trading ever again in America. England said, well, we're going to give the ships a few months in case they go and they return with slaves. We won't hold it against them. And America, we said, no, we're done. We were the first nation in the world to end the slave trade. We were the fourth nation in the world to end slavery. And again, there was 128 nations in the world. We were number four in the world to end slavery altogether. People look at America and think, oh my gosh, America's so bad we had slavery. Every nation in the world had slaves. And, and, and that's not to justify America. America was yeah. wrong for doing that. But here's where we're dishonest in history. As much as we should say it was wrong that America had slaves, we also should say, but it was great that America was one of the very first nations to end slavery and to free slaves. Yeah. On top of that, the United Nations there are currently more than 190 nations that are part of the UN today. In 94 of those nations, they still do not have anti-slavery law, which yeah. is why slavery is still legal in so many nations today. So, so we're being intellectually dishonest to say that America was bad for having slaves at one point, even though everybody else had slaves at the same time. 
And at the same time, we're praising nations today who still have slaves and are still enslaving people. This is where not knowing history, we don't know that we had black heroes in America or that the only reason arguably we are America is because of black heroes. And obviously it's not just black heroes because there was a lot of contributors. Um, You had Jews, you had Christians, you had Roman Catholics, you had atheists, you had um, Mexicans, you had Spaniards, you had Portuguese, you had Irish, you had Scottish, you had, you can go down the list. Yeah. Uh, America was very diverse, and there was a lot of, of contributions from a very diverse group. Mm. There's no doubt America was wrong at a lot of levels, but I would also point out that you show me any atrocity in American history, and I will show you the Christian leaders who were the, the ones leading the fight to end that atrocity. The early abolitionists in America, it was a faith-based movement. It was Christians who were fighting to end slavery in America, and, and, and this is just what we forget so much because we don't know history is even though America wasn't perfect, and, and I mean, to me, Abraham, this is kind of the message of the gospel too, right? Yes. It's where our hope as Christians is, is not that we live perfect in life, because no, we understand we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by grace through faith, because we know we'll never be good enough. Yeah. We all need a Savior, because we're not good enough. But the hope for us that we have in the gospel is that there is a perfect God who can use imperfect people and can do great things through them, this is the story of America. It's not the story of a perfect nation, but it is a story of a nation that a perfect God used imperfect people and did great things through that nation. In fact, it's the reason America has enjoyed more blessings than any other nation in the history of the world, and there is data and statistics to back that statement up. America is one of the most blessed nations ever, and it's not because we were perfect, we weren't, but it's because when Christians saw the imperfections and they said, you know what, we need to fix this problem. We we need to be the leaders. Christians always helped lead the charge to end the ills, the evils, the sinfulness, the wickedness in culture. And because we continued to seek to be biblical and do things in God's way, we enjoyed God's blessing. And, and I would say it's no different today. We yeah. look at the culture around us and go, oh my gosh, we have so many problems. The answer is always the same. Yeah. The answer is we need Christians who will pursue God, who will study the word and then apply those biblical principles to culture. The the more that our culture follows biblical principles, the more we will enjoy God's blessings. And so instead of burning the whole system down, what we need to say is, you know what, we need more Jesus in our culture. We need more Jesus in the hearts, the minds, the lives of people, which is the, the call and challenge for us as Christians. And I would even say for anybody listening, right? I mean, this is, this is, again, the hope of the gospel is that Jesus is offering this free gift of grace to anybody who would receive him. I I think so often we look and go, man, I'm not good enough. And I would say, you're exactly right. And that's why you need Jesus. We don't try to become good enough for Jesus. We recognize our brokenness, and that's the reason we need Jesus. And any good we have is because of God blessing us, working through us, anointing us. And again, this is, I mean, to me, this is the message and the hope of the gospel is that a broken and imperfect people encounter a perfect God, and that perfect God does something through them that makes the world around them a better place because a perfect God uses imperfect people and does great things through them. Wow. Man, Tim, <laughs> that flew by quickly. 
Thank you very much, Tim, for uh, coming on today. Um, where can our audience find you if you want to be found? I always say that uh, if you're on social media, <laughs> anywhere, you know, uh, uh, we did mention your website earlier. If you can just uh, share a little bit with our yeah. listener where they can find you information, all the information that we spoke about today. I think that people will be thoroughly blessed if they can access this information and uh, just become a little bit more knowledgeable about our history. Yeah, so wallbuilders.com is our website. We are all, we're all we on every social media platform, uh, pretty much. You can find us. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram. Uh, we have a Twitter. And, and we actually are putting up videos basically on a daily basis, sometimes every other day. But we're, we're talking about culture and history and the Bible and the Constitution. Um, we have a daily radio program. So there's lots of ways that you can find us and, and, and stay connected. You want to know more? Um, and, and we would love to help provide some of the rich history of our nation and understand why, even though we're not a perfect nation, we have been a very blessed nation. But the only way we continue to enjoy those blessings is like we've done historically for Christians to get involved in the process and to keep applying biblical principles. Because even though we pray for God to bless America, we need to do things that God can bless, and then we can have assurance that God will bless America. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, Tim, thank you very much for coming on Bridge Radio, and um, hopefully, uh, whenever you have a time, you can come back on the show, uh, and maybe would love to do it. Uh, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with Tim Barton, a historian. Uh, man, that was a lot of great information uh, just on our American heritage. Um, I, I was thoroughly blessed with this podcast. There was a lot of new information that I have never heard. Uh, and I used to love history uh, when I was uh, going to school. And yeah, I, that was really good. I, I would uh, recommend everybody just go to um, the website, wallbuilders.com. Uh, as you heard Tim say, they release a lot of uh, uh, videos each day. Uh, if you go to their website, there's a, a library, there's links, uh, there's a uh, media. Uh, and again, if you're looking to even schedule uh, Tim or his father, uh, you can go ahead and make those requests. I think that we're just living here in a time in America where um, we need truth uh, about uh, our history, our American history, uh, and and, and just be completely just uh, educated on that, you know, and this is coming from a Hispanic uh, uh, American, uh, which, you know, I feel absolutely blessed that I was put in this moment in time to live in this country and have the freedoms that I do uh, to worship and live. Uh, and, and wow. Yeah. And, and I know those things uh, we can take for granted uh, sometime. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, don't forget to to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And like we always end the podcast, uh, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own but belong body, soul, in life, and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Later. Later.